For our comfort, we're going to hear the word of God read to us from the Old and New Testaments. The first reading from the Old Testament is from Psalm 45, verses 6 to 17. Psalm 45, verse 6. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honourable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thy him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with the gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. The second reading is taken from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen and amen. We now turn to the New Testament of God's Word this morning, and our first reading is found in Romans chapter 14, and includes the verses 7 to 12. Verse 7, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. 
For to this end Christ both died, rose, and revived, that he might be Lord both of dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set up not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And our second reading this morning is taken from the book of Revelation in the chapter 7 and includes the verses 9 to 17. Verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before their throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are red and white robes? And whence come they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sunlight on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Amen and amen. We do thank those who have read to us from the Old and the New Testaments. I'm going to invite the boys and girls to come up here to the front. Would you like to come up? We're a bit shy. Now, I thought we'd had maybe some more children today. Joel, come on. Well, Joel will just listen over there. Okay, now, why have I brought you up to the front? Well, I'm going to tell you very quickly a special story from the Bible that the Queen loved. Our late Queen Elizabeth II loved her Bible. 
And she had a personal copy at the side of her bed, and she read it every day and every night before she went to bed. And one of the Queen's favorite stories is found in Luke chapter 10, and it's all about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, right through to verse 37. Now, a parable, remember, boys and girls, young people, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. All right? Now, what is the parable of the Good Samaritan all about? First of all, it's about a man on a journey. Listen to what the Bible says. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And if you know anything about geography, that's a big subject you'll learn in the big school. It's from Jerusalem to Jericho, you have to go down a very long road. So I want you to think of a man on a journey. And I was thinking, you know, all of us are on a journey. The journey of life. And it starts when you're born. And that journey of life physically ceases when you die. The Bible says there's a time to be born and a time to die. And in between that period of life, whether long or short, our responsibility and duty is to come to know God and to enter into a personal relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. And that means that we realize we're a sinner, we've got a soul, Jesus Christ is the only Savior of sinners, and we ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And I wonder, boys and girls, have you done that already? Have you put your faith and trust? Can you say on this journey, I'm one of those that have asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior? The second thing about this story that really stands out to me is the man on the journey, the Bible tells us, he fell among thieves. As he was walking down the road, maybe he had bags of gold, bags of silver, or had important um, papers with him. We, we're not told, but we know that at a certain point in the road, he fell among thieves. That is, bad men who, because of their sin and inspired by the devil, they attacked this man, and they robbed him, and they really beat him. And in fact, the Bible says they left him for dead. Now, that's a very, very poignant thought because on the journey of life, boys and girls, there's a terrible lot of bad things happen. And these bad things are carried out by those who are led and driven by their own sinfulness and their, 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 their desire for riches or whatever. And there's a lot of thieving there's, there's beatings, there's killings, and there's uh, other terrible things that goes on. And this is done by people who, who don't know and love Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and who are motivated by their own sinful desire. And that is true in this world because we live in a world of sin and misery. And, and these things happen because of sin, and I want you to understand that. And they happen on a, on a physical level, all right? But I want you to think of something else. We'll lift it even higher on a spiritual level. Just as there's bad men out to rob you of all the joy and blessings that you have. Also, we have got spiritual enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And the devil, of course, is out to damn the souls of men. The world is out to squeeze you into its mold and thinking uh, so that you think like 
the ungodly anti-Christian world. And then, of course, our flesh, if we talk about flesh, we're thinking of that inward bias to sin. We, we're born to sin and, and go astray. And those are all enemies that are against us and against our soul. And this is what happened to that man on the journey. And I want to tell you a third thing, and it was this. He was helped by his enemy. Do you know, here's a man lying in the road, and he's beaten, and he's about to die, and he's been robbed. And along comes a priest, and he is in the other side of the road, and he just looks at the man, and he goes on. And then a Levite comes, and he looks at him as well, and he just goes on. So there's two people could have helped him, shown him mercy, but they didn't. They chose not to. And there's many people like that, sadly, in this world. And again, it's because of their sin and their inbuilt bias. And then came a third man. We're not told his name, but we're told he was a Samaritan man. Now, the man that was lying dying in the road, he was a Jew. And the Samaritans, the Bible tells us, had no dealings with the Jews, and the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And yet it was this man who was his enemy who helped him. He poured in oil and wine. He put him on his donkey. He carried him to an inn. He paid for his keep. And he said to the innkeeper, whenever I come back down this road, if there's any more monies required to help this man, I'll pay for him. And then you see the Lord Jesus asked the question to the man that asked him, who is my neighbor? He said, who is this man's neighbor? And they said, the man that shows him mercy. And you know, the Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall see God. And it's very, very important that we adopt a mindset of a forgiving and a merciful spirit. And ultimately, the greatest mercy that was displayed was that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to bleed and die for us because we were enemies of God and enemies of Christ. And yet, it was him, in a sense, as our enemy who came to save us. And the queen loved that story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And she was determined in all her dealings with all her subjects that she was going to be like a Samaritan to all the people. So I want you to remember today, we're all on a journey you boys and girls too, and the greatest preparation that you can make in the journey is to know and love Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Remember, there's bad men out to do you harm and hurt, and even the devil, of course, wants to destroy our lives and damn our souls. And it was our, an enemy that saved us, and the enemy, of course, became our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because without the knowledge of Christ, we are enemies of God. The Lord bless you today, and thank you for coming up to the front. All right. Now, my text this morning is taken from Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through to 9. It reads as follows, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. As I've told you, my text here is taken from Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through to 9. And I've entitled today's theme, Lessons from the Death of Queen Elizabeth II. 
On September the 8th in the late afternoon, a coded message was sent to the Prime Minister and others, London Bridge is falling. It was quickly followed by a second message, London Bridge is down. That was the signal communicating the death of our beloved monarch, Queen Elizabeth II. Then at 6.30 p.m. that evening, it was officially announced to the nation that the Queen had died. Thursday evening at her home in Balmoral, Scotland, a place that she loved. None of us, of course, will forget where we were or what we were doing when that news broke. Most of us were in shock. We were taken aback at the speed of events on Thursday evening. So from Thursday evening, the whole of the United Kingdom, England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, 14 Commonwealth countries and other lands throughout the world was plunged into 12 days of mourning. This is known officially as the mourning period. Today is the 11th day of that mourning period. And as I address you, the earthly remains of our beloved Queen lies in state at Westminster Hall, the oldest building in the parliamentary estate. It dates back to 1099. It has been the site of key events, the trial of Charles I, coronation banquets, addresses by world leaders, and literally, as I speak, thousands, tens of thousands are filing past her coffin, draped in the royal standard, raised on a raised platform, flanked by the military guard around the clock. The imperial crown has been placed on top of her sovereign coffin. Before this, the body remained at Balmoral, where she died. It was then taken to the palace of Holyrood for an overnight stay. Then on Monday it was moved to St Giles's, Scotland. I'll never forget watching that on TV. 24 hours later it was flown to RAF Norfolk and transported by a specially designed hearse to Buckingham Palace. Next day it was moved to Westminster Hall. And at 10.44 a.m. tomorrow, the Queen's coffin will be moved from the Palace of Westminster to Westminster Abbey for the state funeral. 2,000 guests are expected. The service will begin at 11 a.m. It will be followed by a two-minute silence at 11.55 a.m. Her Majesty's coffin will then be transported through parts of London and taken to St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle, where the Queen will be buried next to the Duke of Edinburgh her late husband. Her passing is the end of an era. The second Elizabethan era is over. Now the death of a queen, of course, has sparked a great national outpouring of grief and sorrow, and we have identified with that, whether at the war memorial, or whether at Hillsborough Castle, or whether up in Crimea Street at the corner on the Shankill Road. And I was thinking as I stood at these various places throughout the week that has gone past, what lessons can we learn from the life of the death of the people's queen? Let me just leave very quickly five things. The life that she lived. The queen was born the 21st of April, 1926. That's her official birthday. She died on the 8th of September, 2022. She was aged 96. A long life. For 70 years from the age of 25, she had a long and glorious reign. Do you know that she was the second longest serving monarch in the world? The first was Louis XIV. He reigned for 72 years and 110 days. 
This is a reign, of course, that we will never, ever see again in our lifetime. The queen was looked upon as the mother of the nation. Now, like I told the children, I believe that Queen Elizabeth II was conscious that she too was on a journey, the journey of life. She knew there was a time to be born and a time to die. She could identify her birthday. She could identify that the time will come when she will die. The the journey of life spans the cradle and the grave. And I, I put it to all of us this morning, we too are on the journey, the journey of life. And what is the purpose of life? Well, as I said to the children, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. How can we glorify God and enjoy him? Well, the chief purpose is to know God in an intimate, personal, experimental way. How? By entering into a personal saving, loving relationship with him through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means realizing that we're sinners, realizing we've got a soul, realizing we need to be saved, realizing the necessity to repent of that sin before God and to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He says, but as many as received him, to them give me power to become the sons of God. Why are we here? Why are we alive? What is the purpose of life? Well, here's the answer. It's to prepare to meet God through our Lord Jesus Christ in the great eternity. We hear it often, life is short. So it is. But the philosophy of many is enjoy life by eating and drinking and be merry. Tomorrow you die. We say no to that. Because let's learn and remember, eternity is long forever. It never ends. So you're better prepared for eternity. Prepare to meet thy God, Amos says. Here's the question of question, are you ready to meet God? Remember, as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Are you in Christ? Do you know and love him? Is he Lord and Redeemer? The second thing I would teach you about the queen is this. The Lord she loved. Do you know the Bible says, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. Here's our queen, Queen Elizabeth II. And she lived the most private life in the full glare of public case. Few really knew what the queen was thinking, what the queen really or truly believed. And yet, for the past many years, if you examine the queen's public broadcasts, especially the queen's message that we loved at Christmas time, we're giving a glimpse into what she believed, giving a glimpse into her private thoughts, because these broadcasts, they were all her own words. And if you examine all of these statements together, it mentions God, Jesus Christ, it mentions the gospel. I discover a belief in the birth of Jesus Christ. I I, I discover a belief in the life of Jesus Christ, his teaching, the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, the second coming, the day of judgment. Let, Let me just quote in 22... I rely on my faith to guide me. I know that the only way to live my life is to try and do what is right, to give my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. 2002. 2011, God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important as they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. 2012. This is the time of the year when we remember that God sent his only begotten son into the world to serve and not to be served. 2014, for me, the life of Jesus Christ, Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. 
2022. Throughout my life, the message and teaching of Christ have been my guide. And in them, I find hope. That was on the 3rd of August, 2022. Someone sent me a little clip. It was about the second coming of Christ. The Queen was at a special service. Whoever was preaching, one of her counselors or chaplains, and they, they were preaching on the second coming. It was mentioned. And she said to the preacher, as she always does, going out, best wishes. And she mentioned to him, I, I wish he would come today. The preacher was taken back a little bit. And he, he said, why, what do you mean, your majesty? And she said, if he come today, I could lay my crown, the crown of England, at his feet. You see, here's the question I've been asked. Did the queen truly love Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I believe her love for Christ was seen in her faithful attendance at church every Sunday, even on holidays in Balmoral. And that's the need of the hour. And I would call upon the people of Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England, if they think about our queen's example. On a Sunday morning, she was found in the house of God. I'm not saying everybody has to come to the Free Presbyterian Church, but choose a place of worship. Go, join in praise, listen to the word of God, and allow the life and teaching and the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring you to his feet. I want to tell you something else. Her love was seen in her Bible. She had a Bible at the side of her bed. She read it every day. Can you say that as a Christian? Her love was seen and she knelt in prayer every day at night. Her love was seen and she was not ashamed to mention him and talk about Christ, the gospel, faith in Jesus Christ. Now I've been asked, I don't fully know, was she truly born again of the Spirit of God? The Lord knows. I think she was. I hope she was. I trust she was. Not saying the queen was perfect. Think the things that she said and things that she did. I, as a free Presbyterian, as someone who's reformed, totally opposed to her visiting the Pope dressed in black. Opposed to signing into law, abortion law, same-sex marriage, transgender. I realize there's difficulty. She was a constitutional monarch and she probably didn't want to spark a constitutional crisis and have a fight with Parliament. But I know this. That one of the archbishops said in one of those services, I think it was in Westminster Hall, in the faith of Jesus Christ, he ruled as sovereign. The third thing I would leave with you is this, the legacy that she left. 70-year reign. Greatest example of public service and personal sacrifice. Remember, she lived in the full glory or glare of public gaze. She was always immaculately dressed. She never put a foot wrong. She had a sense of humor. She could adapt to the situation. She could put people at ease. I'm conscious that she lived her life in the face of a wary and hungry media who would report the slightest mishap. It would be 24-hour news. I know that she lived a life of privilege and position and prestige. She was born as a baby into the house of Windsor. And, and, and uh, queenship was bestowed upon her at the age of 25. Could you young girls imagine being a princess for the day? You would love that. What about being queen just for one day? You would love that. But imagine being queen for 70 years. 71 to be exact. And we've just celebrated her platinum jubilee. 
The Queen's first radio broadcast was this on the 21st of April, 1947. As Princess Elizabeth, her parents and her younger sister were on tour in South Africa, she had wrote a personal speech that was broadcast to the Commonwealth and Cape Town Radio. And this is true. The princess dedicated her life to the Commonwealth. Read the transcript of the full speech. Numerous references to God and Christ in it. And I think of those immortal words. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. She asked for prayer. She said, pray that God may grant me wisdom and strength to carry out my solemn promises that I shall be making, that I may faithfully serve my Lord and Savior. You see, here's a queen that didn't live for sin. She, she didn't live for self. She, she wasn't really focused on the riches or the honor and the fame. Could she not identify with Paul who said for me to live as Christ and to die as gain? Because she was living in light of that day of judgment that was read to us from Romans 14 and in the verse 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Can I just suggest something this morning very quickly? If you know that you're born again and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, then you too are greatly privileged. You too have a place of honor. You too have a position and a prestige that maybe you don't really think about. You see, in the household of faith, you're not just a servant of Jesus Christ. You're not just a, a soldier in the army of King Jesus. You're not just a son. You're not just a supplicator. But do you know that you're a sovereign as well? Listen to what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1. It says this in verse 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, who's the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. You're a king if you're in Christ. You're a priest if you're in Christ. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. John reveals the same thing in chapter 5 when he says in verse 9 and verse 10, it says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign in the earth. She was born into the royal house. You have been born again into the royal house, not the house of Windsor. You have a greater royalty. And the royalty is this, the house of King Jesus, him who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you see the queen and the example of one who loved God, who loved her neighbor as herself, who put into practice or tried to the parable of the good Samaritan? You see, she lived in light of eternity. She lived in light of that day when she would stand face to face before God and meet Jesus Christ and give an account. So she strove to be forgiving. She strove to be kind, to be considerate, caring, go the extra mile, not make mountains out of molehills, look over past hostilities, love your enemies, the Bible says, pray for them that persecute you and despitefully use you, bless them that, that, that want to do you hurt and harm. She could overlook current adversities and she had many of them tears and trials we'll not go into all of them think of the death of princess diana and the impact that that had 
But this lady served up to the end. She was invested. The new prime minister, the 15th prime minister, lives just two days just before she died. What a legacy. One of service and sacrifice. And will you in Christ say, because I'm in Christ, I'm going to give myself a life of service and sacrifice to my church, the cause of Christ, and for the good of the country? The fourth thing I want to leave with you is this, and I'll soon be finished, the loss that's lamentable. The royal house have lost a mother, King Charles, Princess Anne, Prince Edward, Prince Andrew. There's been a loss of a granny, and it's not hard. The loss of a great-grandmother for younger children. The loss of a mother-in-law. The loss of a queen, because she was not only their mother and granny and great-grandmother and mother-in-law, she was their queen too. They had to bow the knee to her. They had to curtsy to her. She was the people's queen, as it says in Crimea Street in the Shankill Road. She was adored around the world. The sad thing is, and I say this very respectfully, that in parts of Roman Catholic Ireland, there has been a very discordant note against the queen and the monarchy and all things British and Protestant. And we say that to their shame. We have lost a queen who had a long, illustrious reign, and as I've said, we'll not see the leg of it again. But I say this, we've also lost a role model. She was a constant in all her lives, an inspiration, a remarkable lady, a life that is dignified and dedicated. Our lives have been marked by events surrounding the royal family and the, the coronation and so many other uh, uh, celebrations involving the royal house. So I ask you this as a Christian. If you're in Christ and a member of that royal house, will you decide today I'm going to be a role model? As I live out my Christian life, I live a life of humility, a life of integrity, a life of steadfastness, a life of commitment. I'll attend the house of God every Sunday. I won't be missing. I'll not have the minister wondering where I'm at. I read my Bible every day like the queen did. I, I, I'll talk to the Lord in prayer. I, I, I pray the Lord's Prayer and other prayers. I live a life of sacrifice and service, not for self, but for the good of others, family and neighbors, and, and so on. And I live with my eye to that day when I'll stand before God to give an account. So I'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. One final thing, the longing that's laudable. The queen, I believed, longed for a better country. An heavenly one. Like Abraham, we have to say in Hebrews chapter 11 and in the verse 16. Think of these words as we come to a conclusion. Hebrews 11 and 16. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. And I can tell you this in the authority of God's word. If Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth was genuinely washed in the blood and born of the Spirit and trusting in Christ in the moment of her death in Balmoral, regardless of the time, on the 8th of September, that moment for her as she died, it was absent from the body and present with the Lord. And in the Lord's presence now, her soul and spirit are perfected. And yes, she's, she's joined loved ones there and, and her body will be laid to rest. Her body will be resurrected in the day of resurrection when Jesus Christ returns in power and glory. And she'll have a glorious body like unto Christ's glorious body. 
And when Jesus Christ returns and set up his millennial reign, she'll sit with Christ in his kingdom. And he'll maybe even give her the right to rule in his name over the United Kingdom a whole as again. Because that's what the Bible teaches, that we who sit with Christ will rule with Christ in his kingdom. Here's the longing that's laudable. Or the land that's laudable. The better country. Do you desire that better country? Do you know that you're going there? Have you got that assurance this morning? Here's five lessons that I have thought about. As we've learned about the death of our beloved queen. May the Lord take these few words and apply them to you this morning. 